Welcome back, Happy Hunters. We're your hosts, Jonathan. And Molly. Today, we are talking with Dave Myers, a park ranger in New Mexico. Dave always looks for a good sight in anything he does, and as a result, his positive energy is felt by many. And that kind of, okay, next attitude comes from pushing aside the ego, pushing aside the negativity, and opening yourself up to that joy and going from there. We just want to take a moment to tell you how much we love one of our sponsors, Nature's Head Composting Toilet. When we renovated the bathroom in the camper, we got rid of our old flush toilet and made the switch to a composting one and could not be happier. I did have some reservations at first, but Nature's Head has thought of everything. With minimal parts and easy assembly, installation was super simple, and when it comes to emptying, it is a breeze. Plus, there is no odor. With all the time we spend outside, we know that each small action makes a big difference. So my favorite part of using a composting toilet is how it's waterless. Did you know that the average toilet uses three and a half gallons of water per flush? Just think of how many gallons a day that is. Our composting toilet helps us conserve water, and it's so easy to use. We actually purchased our toilet months before Nature's Head Composting Toilet was even a sponsor. For more information, go to natureshead.net. That's natureshead.net to get yours today. Today, we have Dave Myers joining us. He talks about how he creates joy in almost anything he does. No matter how difficult the situation is, Dave can find joy in some aspect of it, or he finds the lesson to be learned. Dave, I am really happy you're joining me today on Happy Hunters. We met three years ago when Molly and I volunteered at Aztec Ruins National Monument in New Mexico. We absolutely loved working with you. You constantly had a smile on your face, and your positive attitude is infectious. Welcome. Thank you, Jonathan. I am really looking forward to talking with you today. So you believe that joy is not found, but rather created, and that you can create joy in almost anything you do. How do you create joy in your life each day? (laughs) Wow. So I grew up, my mom was a, she was a total pest. And I kind of absorbed that for a long time and kind of made it part of my mental state, if you will. And it took a long time to realize this wasn't really always a helpful way to be. So very gradually, I began to say, you know what, I could be negative about this or I could be positive about it. So I began trying out positive. Creating joy is, is a challenge, but it's a good challenge. So in everything I do, I try and say, hey, this is one step closer to feeling better, to being better. For me, creating joy is really just looking at where you are, how you're interacting with other people and saying, okay, maybe this wasn't so great, but what can I learn? What have I seen? What have I done? That's good here. And maybe those things are not immediate. Maybe it's something that I look at down the road. Okay, this wasn't good, whatever that particular thing was. And I turn it around and I say, okay, okay, that wasn't good. 
What have I learned? What's true? What's absolutely true? Trying to look on positive side on how this could affect not only me, but other people around me. And that's how I've come into this aspect of creating joy. Yeah. You know, I agree with that. Everything in your life where that happens, you got to look at it. You can find some sort of good, some sort of silver lining on anything, even terrible things. There's some sort of lesson that you can get from it. Yeah. Like when I had my blood clot and I was told I couldn't use my right arm for a while and I couldn't cook, like that was really devastating. And it was really easy for me to like wallow in that. I worked so hard to be a chef and then they just told me that you can't do that line of work anymore. But having that happen led to me teaching, which led to me being a park ranger, which led to me meeting you and which helped us get on the road better. And all that wouldn't have happened had the blood clot not have happened. Wow, that's a great story. And that's a great way to connect all those things. I certainly hope that maybe some of the people listening to this will take that story, make it mean something for them. Maybe if it doesn't necessarily help them that much, maybe they tell somebody else that story. And maybe it's just that little spark that begins to ignite and somebody begins to think more positively about the situation. Wow, that's great. You've experienced many hardships in your life. You've been fired twice for unfair religious reasons. You've been divorced twice. You've lived in near squalid conditions daily for 10 years, just to name a few. How do you create joy when things are not going well? Is that the goal, to create joy when things are falling apart? It's not the immediate goal. Let's put it that way. I think when things are just really bad, you're just trying to make sense of it. You're just trying to wrap your head around it. You're trying to see where things can go, and, and you don't know. And it's that unknown that can be really devastating to a lot of people, well, me included. When I left the museum field in 2008, you know, I was like, oh, the heck with this museum stuff. And, you know, and I, I spent a lot of time being really depressed, maybe not necessarily clinical depressions. I think more of a spotty sort of thing happened with me. My marriage at the time was falling apart. It's a bad place to be. So once my brain settles down and my emotions and my ego are kind of pushed to the side, I think that's where you can begin to see and begin to create that joyful state, even if it doesn't seem immediately obtainable because you're in such a bad state. When I began to push that ego aside, when I began to recognize my role in the bad things that were happening, and although she did plenty of things that were wrong, I had to fess up that I wasn't exactly Mr. Perfect here either. There are a dozen things I could have done better. Still working on doing it really well to try and create that joy when things aren't looking so good. Like this thing going for a job way above my pay grade right. in the federal government. Yeah. You know, sure, I could, I could have really taken that hard because I'm absolutely qualified. I know this job inside and out. Do I know all of the things that a lead ranger should do? No, of course not. Can I learn? Am I in an environment? Am I in a headspace that can make it happen? Yeah. And being told, well, you're not eligible for this job. 10 years ago, I would have taken that really hard. I look at it as a rebound. It's just redirected me. I learned some things. I learned some things about the federal system of applying. And I've learned a little bit more about what they're looking for. 
and where I might go, where else I might go, uh, what else is on the docket. And, you know, you kind of have to say, okay, I got it. No problem. Next. Who's next? What's next? I'm up for it. Tell me what's the challenge. And that, okay, next attitude comes from pushing aside the ego, pushing aside the negativity and opening yourself up to that joy and going from there. With all these hardships, you've also had so many passions over the years. You are a yoga instructor. You are a black belt in karate. You do hand weaving on a loom and so much more. Do you find joy in these hobbies and lifestyles while you're in turmoil? Or when you were in turmoil, was it difficult to participate in the activities that brought you joy? That's an excellent question. And I've got to say, it is sometimes very difficult in these traumatic circumstances that are not just, you know, a one-day deal. You know, oh, darn, you know, I got a flat on my tire. Yeah, that sucks. But when you're in this prolonged state of hardship, whatever it might be, it was difficult for me to reach over and to go to the loom and say, okay, I'm going to weave something now. Because when I weave, I'm usually very joyful. My mind is happy when I'm weaving. I began thinking, I got so many more important things to think about and worry about right now. I can't be sitting down and weaving. This is bad. I feel bad. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do it. But I find that once I re-remind myself, hey, this is something that I love to do. And I'm using weaving as an example, but it could apply to any of the other stuff. I never walk away from the loom going, gosh, that was a waste of time, or go away from doing yoga and say, boy, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Never, never, even on the worst yoga class ever, I've never walked away and said, gosh, why did I do that? That was stupid. No, never, never, never. But it can sometimes be difficult to get into doing that when you feel like your whole life is falling apart. But when I have done it, when I've gotten out of that long-range funk and kind of gotten into a little temporary island of happiness, I always find joy and create joy from doing those things. Your first career was in museum education, a field that you were in for over 20 years. Now you educate people as a park ranger at a small national monument in New Mexico. You love what you do, but you told me that 20 years ago you would never have said that, that your professional ego needed to be fed with big programs and tours. How did you let go of your ego? Was it something you worked on, or did it come gradually? It was absolutely a gradual thing. I think a lot of us think about this profound slap in the face, so to speak. And it wasn't one big slap in the face or kick in the groin or kick in the butt. It was these gradual little slaps, these gradual little kicks that kept pushing. But it was only because I opened my brain, my heart and emotions to change. If I hadn't been there, if I hadn't been self-aware, by doing things like yoga, by doing martial arts, by weaving, by spending more time with my wife, I don't think I would have been in the right headspace to be able to accept those ego-kicking moments. In what ways do you appreciate the small things about your work? 
and it's great. You know, we get to talk about work here because we work together, and that was that's cool. But really, having and finding a partner who supports you sometimes, no matter what, even when you've done stupid stuff, and your partner can say, "Okay, that wasn't so smart," and at that point, you've realized that that wasn't so smart. Your partner can kind of be that sounding wall that allows you to perhaps open up and see your mistakes. Yeah, the small things can be just as rewarding. You know, sometimes when I'm leaving work, I, I leave out of the main door, and somebody is just getting ready to walk up to the visitor center, and you know, they might look grumpy, or maybe that's just how they look. But I can say hello, and just a little smile from somebody, even if they're not looking great. Maybe just for a second, it uplifts them, and if that uplifts them, it uplifts me twice as much. I go away to lunch feeling great because I got a little smile. And same with kids. Kids are great. Kids are always ready to smile. They radiate joy. Most kids are naturally joyful. I think sometimes our society kind of sucks that joy out of them because all they hear every day is no, no, no. So finding those little things, both with your coworkers, in this case, with your spouse, partner, or just some person or child you see at work or at your lunch break or wherever, paying attention to that joy and absorbing some of it. In some ways, I guess I'm kind of like a joy leech. I uh, see somebody else's joy, and even if I'm not necessarily feeling overly joyful, I can suck up some of that joy and absorb it and take it into me and begin to smile inwardly or even outwardly. You've held many jobs in between your museum education career and your current park ranger career. You delivered first aid supplies. You were a laborer and also the director of maintenance at a retirement home. You said that all these were joyful experiences. How did you find the good in each new situation? Let's try the laborer job because this one is the most challenging. The other ones were good because I got to interact with people regularly when I was delivering first aid. You know, every place I would stop, I would try and talk, and even if it was just for a minute, doing that every day, there was joy there. I mean, I've been getting paid all that much, but it was still a cool job. And same with the maintenance thing, not because uh, the maintenance itself was joyful, but I got to work with all these amazing old people. Most were, were so joyful to be around their stories, all the things that they had done. And you begin to look at your own life and realize, wow, how much more do I have to do? How much more joy? How much more cool things am I going to go through? But back to the laborer thing. The laborer's job was the most difficult because you were looked on as trash. You were looked on as completely and utterly expendable. It was difficult to find joy there. And even though my fellow co-workers, we completely and utterly did not see eye to eye politically, they were good people. They were people just trying to get through their life from one day to the next, much as I was doing. So it became more of kind of a team building experience, knowing your team, talking and communicating with them. And that's where I would kind of get my joy from. And also kind of creating a little uh, resistance within my coworkers, I hate to say. I started saying, hey, you know, 10 bucks an hour for this sucks. 
this is BS and we need to be standing up for our rights here. And the way we're being treated is not okay. Absolutely, totally not okay. But it was the only job we had. So we commiserated a lot, creating a little joy in a very stressful situation. But I found the joy and I created the joy by getting to know my coworkers and being a team player and creating a bit of a team amongst what we were doing, not only because we had to do that, but because we wanted to do it. You believe that happiness is inside everyone and that sometimes you just need help finding it. <laughs> yeah. Where do you look for help when you need to find joy? <laughs> I, I pulled that quote directly from the Trolls movie, which came out a few years back and my daughter watched incessantly for a long time. But despite its origins, Despite the fact that it's an animated movie, I, I began to realize that, you know, she's right. There is. I think everyone has joy within them and wants to feel joyful. And sometimes we've kind of lost how to grab that. And finding it through other people can be an easy way to do it. You can find joy, of course, by doing something that you love, either it be a job or a hobby. Maybe your work is horrible, but you come home and you do something that keeps you going, that keeps you joyful. It makes the job that you don't particularly like a lot easier. I've found that my partner, my wife, is great for this because when I go into those little funks um, and you're still feeling bad and, and looking for the joy that you've had, I can find that with my wife. And of course, a very active and mostly joyful four-year-old as well. Those are ways that I personally have thought to find joy. So finding joy, yeah, for sure. Um, my wife can pull that out of me and make me realize that it's not as bad as shrug off those negative feelings a little easier. Well, we are now at the silly but <laughs> equally important questions. If you could be a character from any movie, who would you be? <laughs> Uh, Groot. <laughs> yeah. I am Groot. That's great. I'm Groot. <laughs> you are Groot. <laughs> he expresses himself with three words, I am Groot. Um, and all you have to do <laughs> is, is be able to interpret the uh, the tone in, in which to get the words. Who would you rather be in a battle against, Godzilla or Mothra? That's a good question. Godzilla's got <laughs> Godzilla's got the the flaming mouth thing going on. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> um, and then Mothra has the huge wings that you know uh, create wind. What else? What other powers does he yeah. have? It's been you know probably I forget. I forget. <laughs> it's probably been no, I don't know, uh, forty years. Maybe, maybe 45 years since I saw those movies. I think I would probably rather fight Mothra. If, if I were, if I were going to fight somebody, I would want to be Groot fighting Mothra. <laughs> I could go for that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's great. If you could be a wizard or a superhero, which one would you choose? Ooh. Obviously, it would have to depend upon the superhero. Um, we can uh, we could draw from the Marvel universe or the DC universe. 
but oh man and it would depend upon the wizard you know uh, we're looking at somebody like <laughs> are there any wizard superheroes <laughs> uh dr strange seriously there you go he's, he's both a superhero but that... he's also a wizard count me in okay. as dr strange <laughs> well dave is there anything else you would like to share about happiness no matter how crappy you feel don't give up on it because it's there Dave, thank you again for talking with me today. Your ability to create joy in anything and everything you do is a gift. I am truly inspired by your constant positivity and how you always find the good side. I am so happy that I have had the pleasure to getting to know and work with you. This has been great, Jonathan, and I can't thank you enough for thinking of me for for this podcast. I love Dave's ability to turn a negative into a positive, either by creating something he finds joyful out of a situation or being able to look outside himself, recognize his role, and learn from his experiences. Can you find something that brings you joy each day? Can you clear your mind and see what role you played in a situation and what can you learn from it? Is there a negative you can turn into a positive by changing your attitude? Join the conversation on our Facebook group by searching for Happy Hunters Podcast Discussion Group. There you can find fellow happy hunters to share your thoughts about the episode, share your similar experiences, and connect with others. Plus, you get to share your answers to our silly questions from this week. You can learn more about Dave and his weaving on his Facebook page, Wrap Round Fabrics. That's Wrap, W-R-A-P, Round, apostrophe, R-O-U-N-D, fabrics. We appreciate you tuning in and hope you got as much out of this episode as we did. We are a brand new podcast and could use your help so others can find the show. Please subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Tune in for new episodes every single Tuesday. Find us on Instagram at Molly and Jonathan and follow our RV adventures on YouTube at Our Tiny Mess. If you know a happy someone who we should interview, head to iconoclasticwellness.com slash happyhunters to nominate them or yourself. You can also support this show by supporting our sponsors. We'll see you next week.